Hi, I'm Samuel Broden, an advocate for all things childhood, and welcome to Honoring Childhood, the podcast, where we have candid and casual conversations on childhood. Let's dive in. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Honoring Childhood, the podcast where we have candid and casual conversations on childhood. I'm very excited to have our special guest today with us, Carla Ward. Hi, Carla. How are you? I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. No, I am so excited that you are here as well. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, Why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself? So I'm an early childhood educator in Ontario, Canada. I've been an ECE for almost 18 years now. Uh, I'm the owner of Early Learning Foundations, which is an education company. And we basically kind of touch on everything that's education. So anything from tutoring from kindergarten to grade 12 to uh, professional development for early childhood educators and just helping out where we can to make sure that early childhood education gets the respect that it deserves. Yes, we love that. That's awesome. That is great. Um, So today, I'm excited to talk with you about literacy beyond reading, beyond the book, kind of what that looks like. Um, I'm super interested to hear what you have to say about that, um, because I feel like sometimes when you think about literacy and helping children to fall in love with words and reading and things like that, Sometimes you feel kind of stuck, like this is the only thing that I can do is just read, 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 read. And so I'm just really interested to hear your thoughts on what are some other ways that we can kind of get children excited about these things. Absolutely. And this love of really trying to promote literacy started because I do have a tutoring business that I kind of accidentally fell into. I was a kindergarten teacher for a very long time and started tutoring the siblings of the children that were in my class. Oh, okay. And the biggest thing was because they kept having the message given to them that they were behind in reading. They were behind in reading. Mm. And so I would come in and it really was about building foundational skills, definitely, but also children won't learn if they don't have an interest in something. Mm, Yes. So, when we're telling them that you have to learn your sounds and the letter of the week, which I will admit I was once upon guilty of, like, I'm not going to lie. I know my Jolly Phonics order really well. (laughs) But it comes down to showing children, not just that they need literacy to be successful, right? It's not just about that, but it's that literacy is literally everywhere. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's not just in the book. It's you want to play Minecraft and you want to jump into the chat with your friends. Mm -hmm. You're going to need to know what they're typing back to you. Yep. Right. So it comes down to finding the things that children are interested in, but also slipping it in to help Mm -hmm. spark those interests. So in an early childhood classroom, I'm a huge promoter of putting books in every single area, not just the book nook. Mm, I love that. I love that. So perfect example is the block center. So it doesn't even have to be storybooks. So I would put um, tower or building cards with just the words Mm. of the building. 
my students could read the word Burj Khalifa before they could probably read the word bat. Yeah. I love right? it. Right? Love because it. that's what they were interested in. They were yes. interested in the Burj Khalifa being the tallest tower. And then we have the CN Tower here in Toronto. Well, mm -hmm. what a great way to teach the letter C and the letter N because you've got the CN tower, right? Okay. So it's finding those teachable moments, but also putting it into activities. So there is literacy on recipe cards. Mm -hmm. So baking together and taking that big recipe and breaking it down into smaller words and putting it on big cards and saying to the children, okay, we're going to make muffins. Well, where do you have the word muffins? Mm -hmm. So have your spoken words accompanied by a written word. Yes. Does it mean we're going to give them flashcards on the word muffin? No, thank you. Mm -hmm. Right. That's not the goal. It's not even developmentally appropriate. Right. 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 But it really comes down to making it so that they can associate that letters and sounds make up words, mm -hmm. words make up sentences, sentences make up stories and stories make up a meaning. I love that. I love that so much. And that's such an important point to talk about, just the idea that children are not going to learn as much as we would like them to if they're not interested in what it is that we're talking about. And I think that that's such a struggle for a lot of early educators because they're kind of stuck in this mode of like, well, I have to teach this. I have to do this kind of like no matter what, you know, and they don't really feel like they can have that flexibility of, you know, if I'm talking about this with the children and they're not really interested in it and I can tell they're not getting anything out of it, it's okay to change that up and find something that they are interested in to make sure that they're getting that information that you would like. Um, so I think that that is a really important part of of our work. And then when we're talking about literacy, I think that though that fits right in there because we want the children to learn these things, but it's just like us, right? If someone sat here and tried to teach me, I don't know, accounting or something, I'm not going to learn it because I'm not interested in that and I don't want to know about that. But if you use accounting in a way of like, okay, so here's your business. Let's talk about how this relates to that. Well, I'm interested in that. So then I'm going to want to learn more about it. Um, so I think that that's such, that's such a really good point. And just the fact that words are literally everywhere. Anything that we're doing has words, right? You're like, I mean, the video games, like you're talking about, they want to do the chat. Um, and especially with, you know, children growing up in this age of like, everything is like that texting, emailing, everything is like words. And so I think being able to switch that into like, this is a great way to get them interested and get them really passionate about words and reading and language is, is just a really, that's just such a great way to do that. hundred percent. And it needs to be, we need to change the messaging. You don't have to read today. You get to read today. Mm, I we love get that. to sit down with a book together. Books in my classroom, and I know I'm touching on beyond the book, but even just story time mm -hmm. was such a magical moment. And I had Miss Ward books. So I had about 10 books that were my absolute favorites. 
And during quiet time, because in kindergarten we didn't nap, but we had quiet time. Can we have Miss Ward books? Absolutely. And it became this magical moment and they would trade. And there was this respect for the books, a respect for the story and have fun. There is a book called The Book with No Pictures. Oh, I love that book. Oh, right? And we used to, my class and I, I had had such a special class. Um, They will forever be in my heart. And we used to, as a joke, make a new teacher. Like, so if I had a student teacher or a supply teacher, we would have them read the book because (laughs) it was so silly. And they just thought it was such a riot. And we were, I always got the message as an educator, you need lots of pictures. Well, mm-hmm. I've read that book with preschoolers. I've read it with kindergartners. It was words on a page. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with the fact that there were no pictures. It has to do with the energy that you, the yeah. educator, bring to literacy. And that's so interesting that you brought up that specific book and just just the last few things that you said really resonated with me because I I had a kindergarten class, the last class that I was a teacher of, um, and they literally were just like my heart. And when I started that job, the first day I was there, they had all the kids in the whole school come together and like meet me. And that was the thing that the children decided they wanted to see me do was read that book, right? And so the teachers and every, all the adults that were like, oh, this is going to be interesting. Like, I want to see like, because, you know, a lot of times if you give someone a book like that and they're there for like the first time or whatever, they're like, I don't really know. It has like, it's very, because it's funny. You make funny noises. You make, it's like some people are a little bit apprehensive to do that. But I was like so excited to do it and they loved it so much. And it continued to be the book that I would read to them all the time. And it's so funny because... It is about, it is about the way, there goes my dogs. Everyone's going to hear my dog. Um, it's about the way that you read it. And it doesn't have to be a ton of pictures and a ton of this, because even when I'm there, I would just make up stories off the top of my head and just tell them some crazy, crazy story about who knows what it was. And I would just kind of make it up as, as I would go along. Um, so yeah, it definitely, that's, that's just so funny that you said that because I just feel so connected to all of that because that's exactly kind of how I started with that group of children who were. All right. So I just really, I was just really connected to what you said because that was exactly how I felt about this last classroom of children that I had. And those experiences really taught me so much and really like shifted my mindset on a lot of things, but yeah, that book, definitely. So just so fu- just fun. Have fun. It's just so much fun to just make up funny voices, do funny things, just have a good time because if you're having a good time, they're enjoying seeing that. Well, exactly. And okay, I don't care how old you are, the word but is funny. Yes. And I think some adults need to, you know, dial it down a little bit mm-hmm. because some of the faces when I was like, and my best friend of the whole wild world is a hippo named Boo Boo Butt. Yes. And some people's faces were like, what? Oh yes. God. And the kids would be a riot. And it's yes. okay that they're rolling on the ground and it's okay that they're laughing and it's okay that they're like, Boo Boo Butt. Yes. yes. Like, let it happen. Embrace the moment you are 
creating this love of literacy. You are creating this love for words. Who cares if it's the word but? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. They're going to say the word but anyways. It's just a funny word, which is why it's in the book, because it's funny and it gets kids like interested. They would bring me that book so many times to read it. And every time they would say, they would say, do that voice, do it in this voice, do it in this voice. Or they would just make up some voice that they would want me to do it in. Or they would say, do it in a, they used to say, do it in a different voice on each page, use a different voice on each page. And so then I'm like, oh my God, can I come up with this many different voices to use? But they're so invested in it. Right. And think about what you're creating there. You're creating tone, Mm -hmm. intonation, right? Understanding that, you know, this page has ended. We're turning the page. Mm -hmm. There's so much involved in that. But even to your point earlier about making up stories, being outside and, you know, seeing a ladybug and coming up with a story about this ladybug, right? Taking that sense of literacy outside and coming up with, well, where do you think he's going? Do you think the ladybug goes to the grocery store? Do you think ladybugs go to grocery stores? What do you think they're called? That just conversation about stories then comes back, and I've seen it done in preschool, so they don't have to be kindergarten. We're talking way pre-literacy, is Mm -hmm. now they're going to start drawing pictures about ladybugs. Yep. And then we can discuss, well, what's happening in this picture? Let me write it down for you. Mm-hmm. So they're seeing their words translate onto paper. Mm-hmm. So one, they're getting a message that their words matter, yes. which is a message that we constantly need to be telling them. Yes. Right. And they're again, they're seeing that there's an association mm-hmm. and they're going to start to see patterns because math is a great thing because math is really easy to see patterns in. Mm-hmm. But language is a little trickier. And I remember when I was teaching, she was preschool going into kindergarten and bless her soul, she wanted to read the most inappropriate book for her age group called Pretty Little Liars. You know that show? Oh, yes. Okay. Thank God she can't read. Oh, yes. But thank God she can't read because that book is not appropriate. But (laughs) who am I to tell a child who is interested in reading that she can't take that book out of the library? Right. There's no inappropriate pictures. And I know she can't read half the words or most of them. But the word she could read was the word the. So what an amazing conversation to have to say, oh, my gosh, look how many times the Mm -hmm. word the shows up in this book. Mm -hmm. Right. And now all of a sudden my classroom has exploded with the's. I've got mm-hmm. thes being written. I've got thes being painted. I've got the word the being bingo dabbed. It's showing up in Plato. I did not force it on her. Yep. But she will never forget that word. No, and that and that's so. I I love that so much because I feel like so often as adults in general, but especially in early education, we would have stopped that right we would have not allowed that book. Well, you can't even read this book, so you don't need to take it out, first of all, and it's not appropriate for you, second of all, right? But how excited to find that word, the, and to see it so many times and to know that you know that word. And then you're going to see that word other places. You're going to recognize it out in the world. You're going to get excited because you can recognize that word. And it's just a really beautiful thing to, to witness that, 
when children really get excited about things like that. And it, it's that, it's just that repetitiveness when they see things like that and, and, and you see it coming up in different areas and you're like, wow, I didn't even talk about this. And now it's like this amazing thing that, that we're using, that we're seeing, that we're like excited about. And it's just, it's just, a, it's, it's a very interesting thing to think about because it just kind of, it makes me think about, you know, the reason why we, why we stop things with children, the reason why we interrupt things with children and what they could potentially be missing out on um, when we do that. Right. And, and I love that so much. And, and when I was with my kindergarten class, the, that book was great. The book with no pictures, but I was really excited because they were very excited about reading chapter books, right? They really wanted to read chapter books. And when I was a kid, I loved the Ramona books, Ramona and oh, Beasley. Yes. I loved all of those books. And Beverly Cleary is actually from Portland. And oh. Ramona actually lit her street is here. The street click street that they live on is here. And so I got to like, I bought all the Ramona books and I shared it with the kids and we read it every day and they were so into it. They were playing Ramona when we went outside. They were picking who was who. They were talking about things when they were reminded of things of Ramona. They were like, oh, that happened in, I think it was the third Ramona book that happened. And then what would happen then? And then it went on this entire, like, Ramona was like our mascot for the classroom. And they did, like, they were just so invested in it. And even when I was like, there's no way there, because I think there's like, eight books or something and i'm like there's no way they're gonna want to like listen to all these books and we literally read them in like a month or something like so quickly because they were so interested in it and then also it was something that i was interested in that i felt was something special from my childhood that i talked with them about and i said these are some books that i really enjoyed and i would love it if i could like share them with you you know if you don't like them that's fine but I just wanted to share. Right. And so it was just an even, it was just a really nice kind of connected moment that we were able to have because of words and language and stories. Exactly. And I think when children see adults or older kids, like even seeing teenagers reading and engaging in a book, that's how we get them engaged Mm -hmm. because we all know technology is on the rise. Technology is becoming a problem with our youngers with everybody let's be realistic i can even say with myself i spend way too much time on my phone yes but i am starting to see a shift of literacy coming back i'm noticing that my teenagers are becoming readers again which i am so grateful for and we discuss the books but when they see adults and teenagers reading that's Mm -hmm. how we get books in their hands not telling them that they have to read 20 minutes every day or making it an experience and Mm -hmm. again going beyond that book so making up stories outside of the classroom pointing out language around them one of my favorite is um environmental print Mm -hmm. partially embarrassed to admit this but at the same time really proud is my students can read the word starbucks really really well love it yes 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 We did a whole thing where it was, you know, bring in environmental print, bring in anything that has a word on it. 
-hmm. We got McDonald's. We got Tim Hortons. We got Starbucks. We got Toys R Us. It all came in. And we had this massive, massive box of environmental print. And then the children could use it for collages. Mm -hmm. So we were pulling in literacy into our artwork. Yes. I love that. I love that. It's... And it's so funny that you mentioned, like, when they see adult or older children reading, it, like, it's a great way to get them excited. Because that was something that we did, too. We would have, like, our quiet time, and I would kind of, they could do, you know, anything, but it was, like, a quieter time. So they'd usually pick, like, art or something like that. And then I would bring a book of my own from my house that I was reading, and I would say, okay, well, I'm, this is the time for me to read my book, right? And so I would sit in my chair in the little library area, and I would read my book, and they would be doing their thing. And then the more often that I did that, the more that I noticed that they would either want to hear about my book, hear what I was reading, or they would want to come and read in the area with me while I was reading, right? Because it was this thing of like, oh, wow, Mr. Samuel, look at him. He's reading his book over there during this time. This is so cool. And it's just something that I like, right? And it's it's that excitement. And it's like we want them to want to learn these things without us, like you said, forcing them to learn these things, right? And that's such a huge misconception, I feel like, in really in education across the board, is that we have to force these children to learn things in a certain way at a certain time, really no matter what. And it, it really is like, stifling this idea of like let them discover things on their own let them get this passion for certain things let them really understand things on like a deeper level than oh god i have to read this book oh god it's sustained silent reading time which was my favorite time in school but a lot of people probably didn't like it right and so it felt like oh god i have to read again i'm just going to get through this book and i can't wait to put it away as opposed to just having it be something that comes naturally and organically and they're wanting to do it. Absolutely. And I mean, let's be realistic. There, there are certain administrative expectations. There mm -hmm. are parental expectations because, you know, not all parents are educators. So mm -hmm. they know what they know, how they were raised. They know what their expectations are for letters. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't mean that if we're letting things unfold organically, it doesn't mean that we can't promote. So for example, if I, if I was wanting to encourage the letter P, mm -hmm. I would look for opportunities in play that involve the letter P. Mm -hmm. So you have a pumpkin. Oh my gosh. Listen to that. Feel how it feels on your lips. P pumpkin. Oh my gosh. And then move on. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean you drill it. It doesn't mean you need a flashcard. It just means it was part of the conversation. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, you'll notice, like, if your name was James, just James, ooh, let me write it. And you're just going to, as you write their name, you're going to say it out loud, just James. Yep. You don't need to make, you don't need to draw attention to it any more than you already did. But they mm -hmm. will start to notice as you are consistent they will start to pick up and then they will start doing ja, ja, ja. And it might not look anything like what you wrote, mm -hmm. but it will start to come together. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And that is where, I mean, it may sound kind of cheesy, but those are like the really beautiful moments to see when you're working with children, right? When they're, 
like just naturally excited about something or they're naturally learning something or you see them doing it on their own and you see them working through it and you see them figuring it out and then the that pride that sense of excitement that they get is like just amazing it really is one of the best things to to witness yes it really is magical i i I just love it yeah and all of my students left my kindergarten class knowing how to read without a single letter of the week Mm -hmm. so and even with writing so we did do writing i am a big promoter of handwriting without tears um Uh because they have a music program that goes with it so i incorporate the music into the learning Mm -hmm. but even then we did not sit down and write you know a hundred letters with dots that was never the goal but in block play i always had a stack of post-it notes Mm -hmm. and if you wanted to leave your tower up for the next day then you had to write your name and depending on if you were like where the student was, they had to give their tower a name because all towers have a name. So now we're talking about, I mean, I used to laugh because we have the CN tower here in Toronto. So we would have like the CW tower, the JD tower, because they would like to put letters, but we're learning the letters. So, you know, James has the JN tower, Carla has the CN tower. And so it was just a great way to incorporate writing, reading, literacy, all into block play. Yes. It's, it's so important that we kind of use those opportunities when we see the things that the children are interested in, right? You talked about baking a little bit earlier, and that's such a great way, right? Because getting into the kitchen with the children, that is so much fun. They're super into that. And that's such a great time because they can learn so many skills just by baking cookies with you, right? The simplest thing. And having them take charge of that and having them really understand, like, here's the recipe. These are what recipes are. There's numbers on here. These numbers mean this amount. We have to make sure that it's this amount. How can we figure that out? Here are the words. All of these things, right? And they're excited about it. So they're like, Yes, show me, tell me. Yes, let me figure it out. Yes. And it's it's just and it's more fun. It's more fun for at least for me as a teacher than exactly. sitting there and being like, this is letter A on this flashcard, and A is for Apple. Like, I don't want to do that. So why would I think that they would want to do that? And what cracks me up is like now that I've been tutoring for so many years, what cracks me up is if a child goes to sound out a a word. So cat, ka, a, ta. The mm-hmm. number of times I have sat with ka, a, ta, ka, a, ta, dog. Yep. Okay. Okay, <laughs> let's, let's take a different route. But even when you say, okay, what sound does A make? Mm-hmm. Apple. Mm, yep. Not quite because A is for apple. But I yes. keep telling the children, you know, there's other letters that start with A, right? Mm-hmm. Alligator. I'm like, okay, but it's always a picture of an alligator or an apple. (laughs) And I'm like, let's talk aardvark. Like, let's talk about all the letters, right? Whereas if you do it organically, it's going to come more naturally and that the skills transferable. So Mm -hmm. similarly to the word the in that book, it was transferable because it meant something. Whereas Mm -hmm. if I sat there with a flashcard and I've done the flashcards, that's how I started my tutoring business was flashcards. But when we went to transfer it to a book, she's like, I don't know that word. Yeah. 
So it really is needs to be transferable and it needs to have meaning. Yes. Yes. Or it just becomes this sense of like, well, you're now you're just having them memorize what things look like. Right. And it's always interesting to me when people will be like, oh, all of my students know the alphabet. No, they know the song, just like, you know, the song that's playing on the radio, because if you ask them what a letter is in the middle of the alphabet, they're not going to know because it's not in the order. Right. You just taught them how to sing the song. And so it's just very interesting because that's what a lot of that is. Right. That's why they correspond apple with a only, you know, B or ball for B. Right. It's these it's it's very limited. And so then. They're like, okay, well, that's it then. I guess that's what A is. A is Apple. And then it's like, okay, but there's way more than that. And when we kind of bring it about in this organic way, I think that's just, I mean, that's the way that we like to learn, right? I would much rather get in the kitchen and make a really difficult recipe than try to have someone tell me how to do it. I'd rather do it myself, figure out what happened, figure out what I can do. Then I'm more excited to try again. So why would we think it would be any different for children? It's very confusing to me. Absolutely. And think about think about high school. I can honestly tell you I remember very little about the things I learned in high school. Yes. But when I left high school and wanted to learn something that I probably was taught, but then I went and deep dove and did it myself and I created a hands-on experience and I was interested in it. I remembered it so much better. Yes. So that's the key piece is play, following children's interests Mm -hmm. and finding those teachable moments. Like play is so much more than, we all know this, play is so much more than babysitting. We are not just there to supervise. That's not what play in an early childhood classroom is, Mm -hmm. right? It's looking for those teachable moments and literacy is everywhere in a play environment oh yes yes oh you are like literally like my new favorite person i swear (laughs) you're saying i'm just like this is perfect um okay i have one last question for you yes kind of like fun a little bit what is your favorite book that you've read recently Ooh, do i have to just pick just one as many as you want tell me i want to know about them um Daisy and the Six. Oh, I want to read that one. Highly recommend and do it before March 2nd because it's coming out on Prime. Yes, I saw that. It. I was surprised by how much I loved it because it's a very different format. Uh-huh. And it was, um, it's written um, as an interview. Oh, okay. Yes. So absolutely beautiful book um, from a business book. The word rework, the book rework. Uh, okay. By the owners of Brain Camp. That book is phenomenal for anybody who owns a business or wants to own a business, a side hustle, anything like that. And then for early childhood educators who we all know make very little money, uh, The Philosophy of Money. That book was shockingly good. Wow. Look at this. Just th- I just got three recommendations for new books to read. I love that so much. Um, okay, let's see. I'll say what mine are. Well, one that I read recently. So- my genre of books that I really enjoy reading are like, I like horror books or thrillers. Um, a lot of times people call them like domestic thrillers or like beachy type of reads. Um, I really like those books, but I read this book recently called Cackle. 
um, by Rachel Harrison. She's a really cool young author. And it's basically this story about this girl who like moves to this new town and she meets this really eccentric woman who becomes her friend and the woman ends up that she's a witch. And it's like this whole, it's like so cool because it's told like such a fantastical thing, like this woman being a witch, but it's told in such like a real way. Um, it's really good. So you should look that one up. Her name is Rachel yeah. Harrison. She also has another book called The Return, where um, like a girl goes missing and then she comes back and everyone's excited, but it ends up it's not her. Yeah. Oh really, my gosh. Really good stuff. So yeah, those are the two that I've really enjoyed reading. But yeah, I like I like those kind of like edge of my seat. I don't want to stop. I can read like a lot of these books I read like in one sitting because it's just like, I, I love that kind of stuff. So there's some for you. That's awesome. I am a huge fan of psychological thrillers. Oh, yes. Yes. So I am a huge Lisa Jewell fan. So I have just written those two books down that you just recommended yes. because I'm all over that. I love it. I love it so much. Um, well, this was such a great conversation. Thank you, Carla, again, for coming on here. Um, let everybody know where they can find you. Oh, yes. So thank you so much for having me. And everybody can find me at ELA Foundations over on Instagram. That's probably the best place to find me. Um, and yeah, and that's it. Perfect. I love it. I love it. Um, well, thank you again. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, you can catch us next time on Honoring Childhood, the podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you're listening right now. We'll see you soon. Honoring Childhood, the podcast is produced and edited by Samuel Broden, owned and operated by Honoring Childhood, part of the Broden brand.